Thank you for joining us for the Midweek Bible Study with Dr. David Wilson. Now let's join Dr. Wilson for a more in-depth study of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, last week we said in verse 10, it said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, And then we pick up, we know we're in a spiritual war. That goes without saying. We are in a war. Our nation is in a spiritual war for the very soul of the nation. But verse 13 says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, we're just going to look at the first three tonight, and next Wednesday, we'll look at the last three. But this is the armor where, and did you notice how many times he says the word stand? To stand, to stand, to stand. So there must be something to this and this world that we're living in and we can stand. I want us to pray and then we're going to look at God's word together. Lord, help us to stand. Help us to not be tossed by every wind of doctrine, to not be thrown around spiritually speaking. Help us to be able to plant our feet on the gospel, the gospel of peace. We pray for encouragement. We pray that you will help us to realize you're in control. We're your children. And even in the midst of turmoil, we can still stand. Speak to us now from your word. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. The story's told about a knight back in the days of knighthood. A knight returned to his castle at twilight, and he was a mess. His armor was dented. His helmet was skewed, his face was bloody, his horse was limping, and the rider was listing to one side in the saddle. Well, the lord of the castle saw him coming and went out to meet him and said, what hath befallen you, sir knight? And straightening himself up as best he could, he said, oh, sire, I've been laboring in your service, robbing and burning and pillaging your enemies to the west. He said, you've been what? I don't have any enemies to the west. And the knight said, after a pause, well, I think you do now. (laughs) We have an enemy all around us, a spiritual enemy, a spiritual war that's going on. And we are told that we have the combat gear, the spiritual armor to stand in this day of spiritual war. And so let's look at what I call spiritual combat gear. First is the belt of reality, the truth, having girded your waist with truth. Every Roman soldier wore a thick belt, usually eight inches wide. 
Some, somewhat like you see weightlifters that wear to support their front and back under the strain, those big wide belts. And it also provided protection for them if somebody were to try to punch them in the stomach. It was a thick belt that sometimes had uh, nails studded as an extra measure of protection and, and an important function of the belt was to hold the sword. It was also the last piece of equipment that the soldier put on after he put on his loose-fitting tunic. Now, a tunic, closest thing we could relate to is a, a bathrobe that came down about just below the knee or around the knee. And you, you wouldn't want that thing flapping around and you're trying to run around and so the belt held a lot of it together. In fact, sometimes they would take the back of it and pull up through their legs and tuck it in their belt to gird their legs around them if they were going into battle so that it wouldn't get in the way. Now, a couple of things about this belt. First of all, it guarded them and it protects us from error. He said, to gird your waist with truth. The word truth refers to the content of truth. It means that we hang on to the truth of the word of God. Jesus said in John 8.32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here, Paul is talking about the objective written truth, the written word, the written logos, the, the, the truth that God has given us. In fact, the Bible says your word, O God, is truth. And the objective word of God protects us from all of the errors and opinions that people try to tell us that are right and wrong. The devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. And he's deceived a lot of people. And if you don't get into the word of God and study it and know what it says, you can fall into error. Somebody can just be convincing. They can smile real big. They can dress nice. They can be handsome or beautiful. And they can have a wonderful, trend, uh, a wonderful presentation. But they can be telling you something that doesn't even amount. It's not even in the word of God. And there's a lot of that stuff going on today. Just because they look successful. Uh, but when you come here on Sunday morning and you hear the, the word of God being taught, if that's the only time you ever open your Bible or in Sunday school, then you're not going to be a very strong soldier. Um, if a soldier just trained once a week for 30 minutes, it wouldn't be much of a soldier. Charles Coulson wrote about how America, back when he was still alive, he wrote about how America is morally sick. He says America is afflicted with what he calls moral AIDS. Now, AIDS is acquired immune deficiency syndrome when the body no longer can detect any kind of disease or illness, it soon dies. He says America has become so desensitized to sin and evil that it is no longer able to resist or fight against it. Can you believe we're watching people destroy other people's property and not saying anything's bad about it? 
just last week or week before last, can you believe that they have lowered the penalty for adults having sexual relationships with children as long as they're within 10 years of each other? I, um, I have no words to describe that. There are people who justify in their own eyes what is right and wrong and they're all hiding behind what they claim are constitutional rights or, or equality. But the Bible says there is an objective standard. It's the truth of God. It doesn't matter what you and I think. It matters what God said. And and we believe that here, I just, you know, the, our young people are told in these universities today that there's no objective truth. It's all subjective. What may be true for you may not be true for me. Well, there's no standard then. I mean, you may feel like killing somebody, so does that make it right? No. That we have objective law, some, but the fact is, when you... Protect yourself with the truth. Sometimes you have to ask yourself, what is the truth? Because it's real easy to lead people astray or to protect us from error. Danny, this happened 30 years ago, October the 1st, 1990. AP had a, an article, Associated Press, about a man named Danny Simpson. He robbed a bank in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and he used a hand-me-down Colt 45, and he robbed a bank and got $6,000. Now, when the Royal Canadian Mounted Police caught him and confiscated the gun, they sent the gun like they did routinely to their laboratory where it was recognized by a collector of one of a, only 100 guns like it. Danny Simpson didn't have to rob a bank. Rob a bank. He, had a, he had a gun worth $100,000 and got $6,000. Well, without a knowledge of Bible teaching, the believer is subject to being carried away for cheap substitutes. In fact, carried away by every wind of doctrine, Ephesians says in 4.14, trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful skim, a scheming trickery. People can be fooled. How do you know when somebody's telling you the truth? You've got to have a standard and the Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. You know, don't ever take my word for it. I think if I were ever up here to try to, to, uh, to lead you astray, the Holy Spirit would say, wait a minute, something's not right. I'm not exactly what, sure what it is yet, but it's, something's not right about that. Well, I've, I've heard people talk. I'm going, I'm going to have to do a little research on this, but I'm not sure that's true. Well, the Holy Spirit will guide you into truth, and we're guarded and we're protected. Any of you have any siblings? Y'all have any siblings? Well, you learn not to trust people by your siblings. <laughs> Don't you? 
two brothers were getting ready to boil some eggs to color for Easter. And one of the brothers said to the other, I'll give you a dollar if you'll let me break three of these on your head. The younger brother said, you promise? Older brother said, I promise. So the older, gleefully, the older brother broke two eggs on his little brother's head right on top. And he's standing there stiff for the third and, 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 the, and the older brother didn't do it. And he said, well, when are you gonna do the third one? And he said, I'm not going to, it'll cost me a dollar. <laughs> now that sounds like brothers tricking one another. Well, the thing is, it's so easy to fool people. I, I am amazed at how gullible people are today. Part of it, Satan has blinded their minds to the gospel of truth. Not only does it guard us, but it, it girds us or it holds everything together. The King James Version often uses the phrase, gird up your loins. I mentioned that a moment ago. If you're wearing a long flowing robe and you're going to try to run, it's hard to run in one of those. So they would grab it from the back and pull it up and tuck it in their belt, which automatically makes it tight or girds up their loins, their legs, and they can run. And it holds everything together. There are a lot of Christians today who know the security that comes from getting into the word of God every single day. Those people find strength. They get together, they're moving forward. And on the other hand, there are a lot of Christians who don't have the truth and they are tripping over themselves. Um, one of the favorite bumper stickers I've ever seen said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't falling apart. And in this day and age, I think we need to turn off a television and just read the word of God and be reminded. You say, well, I thought the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Yeah, it is. This truth here in verse 14 is, a, is the written word of God. Down in verse 17, and we'll look at that next week, it's the rema, it's the applied word of God, but the written word of God, we need it both written and we need to apply it. But here's the truth. The truth can be referred to the attitude that shows readiness. It says the preparation, excuse me, the word truth is the attitude. We'll get to preparation in a minute, which means readiness also. But having girded your waist with truth, every encumbrance that the Lord, or not the Lord, but that the world puts in front of us, we can use the word of God to stand. It holds everything together. Hebrews 12, one says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Truth, why did he mention truth first? Because without truth, you don't have righteousness. You don't have peace. You gotta be told the truth first. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you know the truth, sets you free, it, it puts everything else together. The, the belt of truth, the word of God. If we didn't have the word of God, we wouldn't have any of this other stuff because we wouldn't know about it. So righteousness is mentioned next, the breastplate of righteousness. No Roman soldier would have gone into battle without a breastplate 
Now, it was a tough, sleeveless piece of armor that covered the torso. It was made of leather or sometimes heavy linen. Sometimes they sewed all kinds of things. They actually would slice the hooves of animals, slice it into, into smaller pieces and, and sew it on. Um, some of them overlapped. They, sometimes they would use pieces of metal or horns off of animals. Some were large pieces of metal that had been molded. Some were hammered to conform to the body. But the purpose was to protect the heart, the lungs, the intestines, and the other vital organs. You know, if you, you get hit from here to here, it's, uh, it's pretty fatal most of the time. Today, we have policemen that wear bulletproof vests. Uh, Charles Mylander wrote, and he said, he, he, was, uh, he wrote in, the, in a, what, something called the Encourager. He said, sunrise was dawning when a Los Angeles motorcycle cop, Officer Bob Vernon, saw a red pickup truck speed through a stop sign. The guy must be late to work, he thought to himself. He turned on his lights and radioed that he was in pursuit. The pickup pulled over and the officer approached. Meanwhile, in the truck, the driver thought the cops already know. He was scared. He rested his hand on the same gun he had used a few minutes before to rob a 24-hour market. And the sack of stolen money was beside him. The officer just simply walked up and said, good morning, sir. May I see your, and he'd never got to finish because the man stuck the pistol right in his chest and fired. It knocked him seven feet back. A few seconds later, though, to the shock of the criminal, the officer stood up, pulled out his revolver and fired twice. First bullet went through the door. The second one smashed the, the first one op went through the open window and smashed the windshield. The second one went through the door and ripped into the driver's leg. He said, don't shoot. And he threw the gun out and the sack of money. What saved his life was that three eighths of an inch thick Kevlar. We're to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, what does that mean? The word righteousness is a good Bible word. It basically means to be right with God. The Bible says it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness and holiness and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30. Now there's two ways to understand the righteousness that we have. First is positional it's everlasting. It covers our heart. In ancient Jewish thinking, the heart represented the mind, the will. The bowels were considered the seat of emotions and feelings. The mind and the emotions are the two areas where Satan seems to have the easiest time to defeat us or tempt us. He creates a sinful environment by which he tempts us to think wrong thoughts and to feel wrong emotions. Now, positional righteousness covers our heart and protects it from the penalty of sin. The penalty for our sin is separation from God forever. And we know that if you die without Christ, you die in your sin, you spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And once you become a Christian, your position changes. You are now in Christ. If I were to ask you to raise your hand tonight 
And I would say, how many of you are righteous? How many would raise your hand? Well, pastor, I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Well, that means you're righteous then because only the righteous are going to heaven. Now, I didn't ask, are you self-righteous? You didn't save yourself. But when you gave your life to Christ and, and turned from your sin, God imputed to you, gave you the righteousness of Jesus. You are in Christ, not in yourself. Your position of righteousness comes from him. It's his righteousness. The Bible says that our righteousness, even the most spiritual or holy or good moral person you know, compared to the holiness of God, is like filthy rags, Isaiah 64, 6 tells us. And the distinction between self-righteousness and God's righteousness, we see in Philippians 3, 9, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. There's another reference in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When God looks at you as a believer and a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of him, as somebody who's been born again, he looks at you as righteous. Now, why would I spend a little time on that? Because none of us are perfect yet. You ever done something and you think, why did I do that? I'm supposed to be a Christian. Why did I do that? Am I the only one that's ever done that? I'm glad you said that because you would have been lying I'm not who I am by my own accord. I'm not saved by my own accord. I, my position is in Jesus. So to stand in this world of wickedness and sin and sewage, whatever you want to call it, and we make mistakes and we still sin, you got to remember who you're in. I'm in Christ. It covers my heart. It covers my position. But there's also a practical righteousness, a second kind. It protects us from the power of sin over us. We're covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ that protects our heart once and for all from the penalty of sin and hell. But every day we must practice righteousness and holy living because of the righteousness of God in our life. Because of the Holy Spirit that's living in us. You're not saved by your good works. You're saved unto good works, unto righteousness. Nobody's perfect and without sin. In fact, John even wrote that in 1 John. He said, if you say you have no sin, the truth is not in you and you've deceived yourself. These things have I written to you that you may not sin. It doesn't mean you won't ever sin again, 
But it does mean this, as you grow in the Lord and mature in the Lord, the frequency of sin begins to go down. You start to, you start to change. You don't stay that way. And people who say, you know, well, I, I'm this way. I know God saved me, but, it, but I'm still this way. Well, something's wrong because something's going to change. You don't stay the same. Righteousness is to be taken and wrapped around our whole being. To put on the breastplate of righteousness is to live it daily, moment by moment, being obedient And this part of God's armor is holy living, which God supplies the standard and power for which we supply the willingness. Lord, I'm willing. You've got to give me the strength to do it, but I'm going to live for you. A man was chatting with a a person who consults with some of the largest United States companies about their quality control. And this was a pastor was asking about it. He said, you know, ministry is a form of human quality control. And so we asked him for some insights. And the man said, in quality control, we're not concerned about the product. But when we, but he went on to say, we're concerned about the process. He said, if the process is right, the product is guaranteed. Well, how relevant is that to Christianity? When you, the truth and the righteousness is right in your heart, and as American Christians, we grow in him, the process is going to make the product right. It's going to change our life. Without this armor, the Christian loses his joy. Emotional and relation problems have because most of the time it's a lack of personal holiness Most of the problems we have, I said most, is because of a lack of holiness on our part. Personal, we can lose our fruitfulness. The third part of this armor are the boots of readiness, the gospel of peace. Sandals that the Romans wore were not like the flip-flops people wear today. In fact, they were more like a boot than a sandal. The sole of that Roman boot was very thick with many layers of leather. And embedded in this leather, there many times were some nails or short pieces of metal or stone so that it would give the soldier traction on muddy ground. Kind of like cleats for people playing sports, such as baseball and football, soccer. And thick pieces of leather also covered the top of the foot. Most of the boots were open-toed. It didn't mean that your toes were exposed, but it was open on the end and open on the heel. And in addition, there were thick pieces of leather the soldier would wrap around his skin and all the way up his legs. Sometimes he would even tie on pieces in front of his shin, sort of like a a catcher on a baseball team wears those shin guards. For an army, the boots were critical. Army moves on its feet. And so, if you don't have the right kind of equipment, that army will be hurt. I've been told that during the Vietnam War, 
The Viet Cong were always setting booby traps. They would make holes in the ground that soldiers would fall in and had sharp poisonous bamboo sticks to hurt the feet of the soldiers. And the reason was if they killed one of the soldiers, he was out of the way. But if they injured a soldier where he couldn't walk, it would take three out of the way because two of them had to carry him. And as he marched on, a soldier's life depended on his shoes. He marched through the rough, hot roads, climbed over jagged rocks, trampled over thorns, and waded through stream beds of stones. His feet needed protection. And a soldier whose feet are blistered and cut and swollen cannot stand well or fight well and stand the ground. So what does this mean? Two things about these spiritual boots. The first is stability. The authentic gospel, the gospel of peace, refers to the good news that we are at peace with God. Put on your feet the readiness of the gospel. The world, the, the word gospel means good news. He's talking about peace. If there was ever a group of people in this day and age of conflict and turmoil, it's God's people. Because we know that we're right with God and whenever God hits the reset button on this world, we know where we're gonna be. In fact, we're the only ones that really have any peace. Man, there's so much uh, discord and so much bad news that if you allow yourself, you'll just get depressed listening to everything. Now, I'm not saying don't, we can't deny what's going on. But how can you keep on standing in a world that just seems to be going down the tube? Because we have the peace of God in our heart. I know I'm right with God. If I die, I'm going home. Now I want to live as long as I can. Jesus even said, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation and trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, John 16, And this peace delivers us from just running around like chicken little. The sky is falling, the world's coming to an end all the time. Because if anybody has stability, anybody standing on solid ground, it's us. The word preparation there has the general meaning of readiness. Always be ready. Always be prepared. Always say, you know what? Today I'm, I'm saved by the grace of God and I'm on solid ground. And if the world disintegrates around me, I'm going home. I told you the story a long time ago. It's in a little book called Laughter in Appalachia. Fred Park of Berea, Kentucky, tells a story about a man named Quill. Quill lived way back in the woods. He hunted and fished all the time. Quill didn't pay any attention to hunting seasons or laws or limits of fish or anything. And the game warden knew that. He, in fact, Quill knew the woods better than the game warden, so the game warden couldn't ever catch him. 
Today was the day, though. He knew that Quill would get up early to go fishing, so the game warden sneaked down there in the middle of the night and hid on top of Quill's house. This way he knew he had to jump on Quill. He'd let him head out. He'd find out where his fishing hole was. His plan was to hide in the woods until Quill had caught a large, illegal bunch of fish, and then he'd catch him. Well, he heard Quill get up and start a fire and put coffee on, and Game Warden's stomach began to growl as he smelled that coffee and those fresh-smelling biscuits as they baked in the oven. He could hardly contain himself, and suddenly Quill walked out on the porch and said, come on down here and get some of this coffee and biscuits while they're hot. I know you're out there. And he went back in, closed the door. Well, Game Warden couldn't believe it. He climbed down, he walked up on the porch and into the house, and he said, how did you know I was out there? And Quill said, I didn't. I walk out there every morning and say that just in case you are. That's the readiness we're talking about. Every day we need to get up and say, you know what? No matter what happens, I'm God's child. I'm saved by grace. I'm at peace with God. He loves me. He wants me. He likes me. He's forgiven me. Unlike all these other people living in fear. I didn't say we didn't need to be cautious. I didn't say we needed not to be careful. But I'm not going to live in fear. I listened to a webinar today about from, from Godstone, and I thought, I wish I hadn't listened to that. Talking about the election and their predictions and all that, and I had to say, you know what, Lord? I hope they're wrong. But if they aren't, I'm still gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. That's all I can do. I have no other way. I'm just gonna trust you. So stability is one of the, the advantages of the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But support, you want support when you're standing there. One of the biggest problems Christians have is they're constantly falling down. Not falling from their salvation, but they're just falling down all the time. You get tempted, you give in to temptation, you fall down, you get up, you knock down. And many people spend a lot of time on their backs because of no stability. Did you notice? I've already called your attention. Paul said three times, stand, stand firm that you'll be able to stand. Well, a soldier's boots allowed him to stand firm when he was being attacked. That's why football players and golfers and baseball players wear cleats because it gives them stability and support and traction. The soldier who could stand firmly usually won the battle because if they, somebody knocked you down, you were at a distinct disadvantage and you could easily be defeated and so what is God giving us? What support is he giving us? I've already mentioned it. He's giving us the peace that surpasses all understanding. Other people can see peace in you. When you're going through a difficult time or a tragedy or a time of trials, people say, how? I see you grieve and I see you cry, but, but there's something about you there is some support and stability. There's a peace within you. The unsaved person doesn't have that. A person without Jesus doesn't have that. 
They are helpless. They're godless, ungodly, sinful. They're an enemy of God. The saved person, on the other hand, is reconciled to God. Therefore, when our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we stand in the confidence that God loves us, God wants us, he's, he's one with us, his commitment to fight for us. J. Oswald Sanders says, peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God. Our feet are planted on the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Sad to me how many people think that all our problems are going to be solved depending on who wins the election. <laughs> there are a lot of people who think, people without Jesus, they think, man, we've got to have our political party win and we've got to get our candidate elected and so forth and so on. It's getting worse. Every time we have an election, it gets worse. At least it seems that way to me. So I have to keep reminding myself, I know the truth. I know who's really in charge. I know who's still on the throne. I know the truth. I know the truth because I have the peace of God living in my heart and I am right with God. And even if I die, if I die of COVID, if I die of the flu, if I die because an airplane engine falls on me, I know I'm going home. I'm watching those airplanes. <laughs> I can't see COVID and I can't see the flu, but I can watch those airplanes. Folks, I'm not making light of any of the stuff that we're going through. But you know what? A lot of people are wasting a lot of their time and life right now living in fear. And Paul was talking about, we're in a war. We're in a spiritual war. And if he can neutralize Christians then there's nobody else to tell the truth to the world. He didn't say be peacekeepers. He said be peacemakers. And the only way we can make peace is to lead people to Christ and their hearts will change and then they will have peace in their heart. And so we have some of the combat gear. We'll look at the rest of it uh, next Wednesday night as we uh, look in Ephesians again. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to watch more live streams or additional Bible studies, please go to southcrestlive.tv. We hope to see you again next week.